Hey all, thanks for checking out On The Bubble Podcast. I'm your host, Josh. The show you're listening to is 100% fan-supported, so if you do enjoy today's episode and you want to help us keep making them, check out patreon.com slash Joshua C. Liston. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Joshua C. Liston. And as we like to say around here, a share is as good as a dollar. So even if you can't support us financially, which we completely understand given the state of the world at the moment, we definitely appreciate a little sherry share on social media just as much. So thanks again, and now on with the episode. Hey friends, and welcome back to the On The Bubble podcast. This is episode two. I'm your host, Josh Liston, and today we're talking about Chuck. Uh, it's such a tough question because, or a tough answer because... Look, as you know, with any show that's like, that's like super loved, like we never, I always tell people when they ask me about the show and about you guys, about the fans, like, you know, we, we never got dancing with the stars numbers, but I, I would challenge any dancing with the stars fan to love their show more than you guys loved our show. You know what I mean? So, so that was the man himself, Zachary Levi, who played Chuck on NBC's Chuck and I thought that I'd start today with that small clip because I think that out of all of the sound clips that I managed to check out in my research for today's episode, that was the one that most clearly, I think, showed the amount of love that Everyday Chuck fans had for that show and how much understanding the cast had of those fans and the fact that everyone wanted the show to come to a conclusion and get the number of episodes and seasons that we all thought it deserved. So today you're going to hear a little bit less from me than in the previous episode. If you haven't heard the previous episode, that was actually on Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And I also outline kind of what I'm going for with this show as far as what I wanted to do and how I want to approach the idea of Save Our Show TV fan campaign. So I'd go back and listen to that if you want to know a little bit more about what is this show about? Why is he talking about somewhat defunct shows or shows that may have in the public eye struggled, you'll hear a lot more about my thoughts on that particular subject in episode one. So enough with that. Let's talk some Chuck. It's fair to say that Chuck had one of the bigger and better fan campaigns, more effective, and definitely one of the most well-known. So today, I hate to admit, but I will be sourcing a lot of online content, as well as my audio clips and some of my own thoughts. and. If you're familiar with the Wikipedia page for Chuck, some of those things might be on there, but that'll be just more ease for me to follow a timeline or keep things chronological because I've gone to other sites which have confirmed and reaffirmed what is actually on the wiki for Chuck. So if you're familiar with that page, you can follow along. If you're not, check it out and call me out if I get things all muddled up. But I'll also be trying to stay a little bit outside of that sphere, filling in a few of the little gaps and those types of things along with the show Chuck. So the first thing that comes to mind, I guess, when you think about Chuck as a show that was on the bubble and had its struggles is the amount of fan love, as that first audio clip of today showed a little bit of, but it was also the love for the cast of the fans, how they empowered the fans and energized the fans to keep pushing, to keep working. Everyone from the fan on the ground at Comic-Con through to 
some of the more well-known supporters of Chuck, like the team behind Chuck versus the podcast. They all got a lot of support from the cast and the crew. I thought a good place to start today might be some thoughts from one of the showrunners, Chris Vidak, from a Comic Con. I think it really shows the special relationship between the creators of Chuck, the mythology of Chuck, the cast and crew of Chuck, and also the fans. So we'll cut to that now. If, if I, I mean, this is a really amazing place for the Chuck show. This, the show, you know, we made it, but it was really kind of born here. You know, that first screening was an amazing moment for all of us. And it was, it's one of those things where we were all sitting in the back of that theater. And usually for TV people, we don't get a chance to watch the show with a, with a whole audience. That's not something that happens all the time. And it was such a magical moment that, you know, it was just an amazing moment for all of us. And from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for the Subway sandwiches. Thank you for everything that you've done. Because it's the, 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 the Comic-Con, it's, it's the heart of the show. It's the fan heart of the show. And it has been, this show will, would not have been here with, for, without you guys. So, thank you. So as I mentioned, that was Chris Vidak, who was one of the creators and showrunners of Chuck. It's pretty awesome just to hear that little chant of, we love you, I think it was, from the crowd and and the reciprocation of the cast and crew back to the fans. And I think the more astute listener would have realised that he also said a little reference to Subway. And for anyone who's seen all the episodes of Chuck, Subway played an integral part both in funnier parts of the storyline and for some of the peripheral characters. It was a pretty important thing getting their subway, but it also actually, outside of the show in the real world, Subway was one of the big supporters of the show and a sponsor, and also was probably one of the first big, unique things that the Chuck fans did to get the ball rolling on getting some monetary support behind the show from a pretty powerful brand. So... First, I'm just going to read a couple of little things about the Subway campaign and how that related to Chuck, and then we're going to cut to an audio of kind of a call to arms from Zachary Levi himself, right before he led hundreds of fans of the show Chuck to a Subway restaurant in Birmingham, England, which is pretty cool. So essentially, it was kind of a rally cry, I guess, for Chuck, and how it all worked was that there was a campaign to purchase footlong submarine sandwiches from Subway on the air date of the second season finale. It was becoming well known that Chuck was on the bubble and there was many reasons for that during that second season. And a lot of shows, they either don't have the support or they don't have the type of audience or type of fan that can go out and make something cool happen. Whereas Subway was already kind of sprinkled throughout the show. So at the very much grassroots level, a lot of fans got together and decided there would be a Chuck Day, basically where you would purchase those foot-long submarine sandwiches and say that you were doing it for Chuck and forcing Subway to realise, hey, our presence with this other brand being the Chuck TV show and that fandom is kind of a special relationship 
So we'll cut to Zachary Levi now. Basically, I just want us the ants go marching one by one, hurrah, all the way over to the <laughs> Or the nerds go marching one by one. <laughs> yeah, go nerds, rock and roll. This is the revolution, people. This is the freaking revolution. So, uh, although I'm not Shane Rivera, so let's not do that. Um, uh, but anyway, so, I mean, look, if, if, you know, if we can start it right here in Birmingham and, uh, and say, you know, this, this started right here in the UK, I think it's a pretty cool thing. And we'll just then, That kind of got the ball rolling on Chuck being a really special show and having a special kind of fan, creative fan, a driven fan, someone who really cares about the entire Chuck mythology and is prepared, I guess, to put some real dollars on the line to show that, hey, if Subway can get behind this show, this show might have some legs because we all think that it needs to be able to become all it can become and have a proper finale, a proper ending and see the progression of those characters, I guess, reach the end point to where the showrunners and the creators wanted them to be. So now I'm just going to list a couple of things that obviously probably aren't quite as big in the Save Our Show fan campaign for Chuck as the Subway thing, but it's just a few cool things I thought I'd mention. And those include the Have a Heart Renew Chuck campaign, which involved fans donating money to the American Heart Association on behalf of Chuck. And as of May 19, 2009, that particular campaign had raised over $17,000. So even if the show didn't continue, I mean, that is a pretty amazing thing for the Chuck fans to do. There was also the team behind Chuck versus the podcast that had regular audio calls to arms, I guess, and organized different kind of letter writing campaigns and I guess, fueled the community and kept the community up to date on what was happening, where different campaigns were at, what people really needed to do to make a difference. One other thing I found in my research, beyond the great ideas involving Subway and the American Heart Association and all all those things, the show actually had a lot of critical support, active support from traditional journalism. I just wanted to quote Linda Holmes, who was writing for NPR, She made a very astute observation, and I quote, It's very common for chasms to open between critics and viewers, but here, critics find themselves passionately advocating for something that's extraordinarily enjoyable to watch, unquote. So after such a great quote, I think that it might be about time that I brought in one of the great voices in the Chuck fan campaign world, and that was Gray Jones from Chuck vs. the Podcast, and... I don't think there's a better way to really talk about the man than to actually just give you his voice in an episode that was pretty special to him, I would assume, and the whole community. But Chuck versus a podcast, I'm going to play about 20 to 30 seconds of what I think is one of the more important episodes that they put out. And you can just hear the passion that he and his co-hosts had for the show and saving the show and the feeling of exhilaration, I guess, as a fan when something that you've been a part of helps keep something that's a powerful piece of art going. So we'll cut to that now and enjoy Gray Jones and his amazing co-host of Chuck vs. the Podcast for the next 20 or 30 seconds. This is Gray. This is Mel. 
This is Liz. And we want to welcome you to Chuck Versus the Podcast, episode 55, our second podcast for Friday, May 14th, 2010. It's a happy day for Chuck fans because news broke last night that Chuck has been renewed for a 13-episode fourth season, and it is confirmed by NBC. Michael Asiello says they also give us the option of a back nine episodes. Just how great do they sound? I mean, it's just pure joy there. So from Gray and his crew, Chuck versus the podcast is obviously no longer going. But if you're into TV after show style podcasts, it's probably the gold standard for that type of show that I've ever heard. So whether you're into that style of show yourself, obviously being a Chuck fan, I think you'll get a lot out of it. You'll get kind of a little timeline as to where everyone was at, the fans, how they were feeling. He had some truly great guests on there and they were very open. And a lot of the showrunners and the creative people behind the show. It's really just a great show. So check out Chuck versus the podcast. And thank you to those guys for letting me play that little section. And I think it's time that I threw a little bit extra into this circle that's maybe more unique and original stuff that I've managed to research myself. Basically, I wanted to spend the rest of today's episode focusing on maybe what a lot of people see as the holy grail of. TV fan campaigns, and that's if the show has to end, and maybe some of the fandom feels that it didn't end exactly how they would have liked. And mind you, Chuck was the only show that I've been able to find where the show was actually extended beyond the season after the fan campaign. So that would have been season three. It was actually extended, as you would have heard Gray mention in the previous audio clip, into season four and then eventually into season five. So that's a one-up for Chuck anyway, but I guess getting a movie is pretty awesome. I know my favorite show ever, Firefly, had the movie Serenity, which is a great movie, and I'm not sure whether I would be as obsessed still with Firefly if I didn't know that there was a movie there to round out that mythology, and it keeps me going back because I can watch the show and then watch the movie that fans also fought very hard for. So we're going to talk about the Chuck movie. I thought there's probably no better way to do that than to play a section of an interview that I did with the author of Unpacking Chuck, which is a great literary analysis of the show Chuck, and that is G. Walter Bush. And I spoke to G. Walter Bush recently, and I'll be putting out the full interview soon into this feed. So you're only going to hear a small chunk of that today, but The entire interview will come out sometime in the next week, so make sure you check that out. Such a smart guy, and it gives you a whole new appreciation of the show. So here's our thoughts on the movie, and what could be happening with the movie, and what we'd like to see in the movie. If the Firefly to Serenity, or the Farscape journey from TV show to movie was kind of the pinnacle of, I guess, what you can get out of a fan campaign, what was just your general feeling on the movie? Would you like to see the movie? Obviously, you feel that it hasn't been completely resolved, the story. And is there anything quickly you can say about what you would see in the movie as being some important resolutions there in your own mind? Well, I think you need to finish the Old Testament Abrahamic Covenant in which the Abrahamic Covenant was that Abraham would become a great nation and that he would be a blessing to other nations. At the end of the show, we're not totally sure that they are together, Chuck and Sarah, though, as I argue at the end of the first book, I believe that they are. 
Uh, but we're not really sure what kind of a future they have. We certainly don't know for sure it's going to be a prosperous one. Uh, so that would be one major element that would be part of a Chuck movie, I would urge. The other is that in the second book, I had the first two chapters on the intersect. And at the end, we see that Chuck is trying to get rid of the intersect. He sees it as a device that has more destructive capability than helpful. And at the end, the irony of ironies, he still has the intersect in his head, the very thing he tried to destroy, uh, the very thing he wanted to get rid of. So you're left with the dilemma of, well, he never did destroy it. And so what is the end of that story? We, we don't really know. And so a Chuck movie would give the ability for the creators to either show he changes his mind and comes to some mid-view of it, or he has the successful ability to get rid of it, or whatever they're going to do with it. But that's another unfinished theme. Then I would also point to Jeffster. Uh, Jeffster, as a uh, pair, uh, were doing cover songs, but I argue that that was really a metaphor for the things in their lives that were covering up their real abilities, uh, and by the end of season five, they have both broken through to epiphanies and have gone through fundamental changes. I would love to see them going on a world tour where they actually start playing some of the original music uh, and maybe their first single, which would be metaphorically significant given the newness of their identities. So there's three things. and There's a few more. I mean, I'd like to see a little bit more of what was going on between Orion and Bryce Larkin. You could do some video logs to bring them into it. So we have a little bit more understanding of, of what was going on behind the scenes secretly uh, in their relationship. Uh, those kinds of things, I think, would all be helpful in the Chuck movie. It's going to seem a little obscure as a reference, but my big question for Chuck that I think was unresolved was, and it kind of goes to almost like a the story of Hulk in Marvel, what was it about Chuck's brain as a child that allowed him to absorb that really, really early intersect and actually be able to function? What was it about that particular person? Because I think that the way the show was written was almost like Chuck obviously was the right person, but he didn't seem like it was he was the perfect person that could have it because obviously Bryce was meant to have it or whoever, a more skilled warrior. What was it about Chuck as a child that made him the only person that it was right for? And that's something that carried me through most of that whole part of the story arc was waiting to, for that question to be answered. So I know that's a little obscure, but... I don't often like to point out what I feel are inconsistencies, because as you pointed out, with it always on the chopping block, I think it's quite remarkable that the text is as consistent as it is, okay? Um in fact, I read some things about some of the writers on some of the teams wanting to quit when they heard there was another season because they had already just tried to wrap everything up, right? Uh, and so now we've got to somehow extend it again, you know? Um, so I, I, I want to point out and put in the context that they had a very difficult context in which to write. But I would say that on the issue of the intersect, at the first couple of seasons, it's made out to be something that literally can kill you. I mean, look at the secret agent in the suburbs uh, who downloaded the fulcrum intersect, right? And becomes a raving lunatic, right? And, and you know, he, we presume he dies. We don't know what happens to him. And so that reinforces the fact that Chuck is unique. We see in the Stanford test results that the professor uh, wants to use to bring him into the CIA. 
that he had the highest score of anybody on the uh, image recognition, you know, stuff going on there. And so the first couple of seasons really highlight the uniqueness of Chuck and how he's different and everyone's in awe of him. And what makes him that way? I, I honestly don't know the answer to that, but what I do know is that later in the season and just about everybody gets the intersect. You have Morgan getting the intersect. You've got Sarah getting the intersect. You've got Manoush doing the intersect. You've got Shaw doing the intersect. I mean, it goes from person to person to person, and nobody seems to ever be in danger of going crazy, though, of course, we got the mind melt of Morgan. But that was something that Decker did to the program, right, to cause that to happen. It, it seems like the uniqueness of the intersect is lost as they give it to all these other people. And it makes you go back and wonder what was so unique about Chuck in the end. Uh, so that doesn't change the fact that it was intriguing in the early seasons because you didn't know all that was going to happen later on. But I'm left as a viewer wondering why was Chuck so unique in the end if everybody else had the intersect too later. When it comes to fan campaigns and driving that kind of mobilization from fans, if there aren't some open-ended questions for people to mine over even years later, we probably wouldn't be going back and doing literary analysis or me starting a show about it, about the fan campaigns, because I think if everything gets tightened up into a nice little bow, there isn't much to drive fans to want more, maybe. I, I would agree with you on that. Yeah. Okay, Walter, well, I just wanted to say thank you for your amazing analysis of the show through your books and for joining me today. The pleasure and privilege is all mine. Thank you. Excellent. So, did you just want to leave us with where people can find the books, what they need to maybe search for on Amazon, and for people that are listening to a podcast, if there's any plans for an Audible version at any point? Uh, at this moment, the answer is no, uh, but I would never say never. So I guess for anyone who's listening, if you love Unpacking Chuck and you wouldn't mind an audio version, you might have to go and buy a few more copies of each one. I really appreciate that feedback. I, you know, selling books is great, but hearing from people who are thinking people and realizing that you succeeded in making people think and that what you thought wasn't totally outlandish, that's a great reward. Man, that guy's smart. I really love talking to him. And as I mentioned before, we cut to G. Walter Bush. I've actually got an entire interview and I'll be putting that out in this same feed, kind of as supplementary material to the show, because I get to talk to these amazing people and the way that I'm designing on the Bubble podcast is a little bit more in the narrative kind of documentary style, whereas I don't want to shortchange you guys when I've got these great interviews that are out there. So take it or leave it. That might not be your flavor, but it's going to be there. So I encourage you to listen to that and share that one around. At the very least, you definitely should check out Unpacking Chuck and Unpacking Chuck 2.0. They're what I would call essential Chuck fan materials. So with that, I wanted to leave you guys today with one quote that G. Walter Bush actually wrote to me in an email after we'd spoken and he said, thank you, Josh, but I kind of forgot to say this and I think it's really important. And he said it so well that I actually think it's one of the main reasons why Chuck as a show just had so much support. I'll leave you with this one today, quoting G. Walter Bush. P.S. One more reason people loved slash wanted to save this show that I failed to mention, is that they picked up on the cast chemistry on and off the screen and responded to the Friends atmosphere around the show. Okay, speak to you soon. Catch you later.